Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 209 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thank you so much for being here. Let's get right to it, shall we? Today, my guest is Adam Weedman. He's the owner and designer at Weedco out of Moorhead, Minnesota. During this episode, we talk about dogs. Yes, we do. We talk about dogs. Love dogs. We also talk about uh, Mario Paint on Super Nintendo. I was not familiar with this game, but since I have looked it up and I am looking for a used Super Nintendo system to pick up to get into this, drop me a note on Instagram if you were also playing around with Mario Paint on Super Nintendo back in the day. We talk about how he would recreate old vintage logos when he was younger and the absolute fluke mentorship that he got. And that's what it took to show him that he was a designer. We talk about a bunch of inspiring designers to him. We talk about how finding the right career direction was a significant challenge for him. It was the most challenging time in his career so far. We also talk about the struggle with what to do with social media, that struggle that he fears, you know, what do we do with it? How do we go out there? It's kind of weird, but kind of necessary. It's kind of a weird spot. We also get into the project where he helped with the creative to uh, on a fundraising campaign and stuff to raise money to revitalize a defunct opera house in his hometown and why he's so proud of it. Pretty cool project. That and so much more in this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. My guest today, Mr. Adam Weedman. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Adam, welcome to the Quickie Podcast, man. How are you? Fantastic. How are yourself? Doing terrific. I gotta ask, are you ready for a Quickie? Born ready. You seem prepared. Um, yep. Let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. My name is Adam Weedman. I am the owner, operator, designer of Weedco, a commercial arts and branding studio located in Moorhead, Minnesota. Um, I'm married to a wonderful woman named Shannon, and together we have two dogs, Beans and Sully. What kind of dogs? Uh, Beans is a Boston Terrier and an asshole at the same time. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> and Sully is just a mutt. A little just bit of everything the, in Sully. Just Sally. a mix. Yeah. Yep. I have one dog uh, named Luna, and she is a cross between a lab, a uh, Rottweiler, but also a what's called a Louisiana Catahoula, Louisiana Leopard Dog or a Catahoula. I'm familiar and, with those, actually. Yeah, yeah, so she's got that like tall slender build of the catahoula she's got the appetite of a lab and she's got like the the blue or so the brindley color of the rottweiler so she's a pretty awesome pretty good mix very cool weren't in the market for the for a dog but saw the blue eyes and went oh damn now i'm in trouble (laughs) (laughs) we've recently been actually uh fostering dogs as well um 
so far we haven't fostered failed yet. We've we've taken care of four of them and found homes for all four of them so far, but it's been quite the experience. That's cool. Good for you guys. Yeah. So Adam, I like to start the show off by kicking it back in time. And I want to ask you about your childhood. What was that mm-hmm. like? Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this design direction? Yeah, childhood was great. Um, I didn't really come from a creative family per se, mm-hmm. um, but there really wasn't any lack of creativity around the house. I mean, we were always encouraged to find something creative to do. There wasn't a shortage of crayons or colored pencils or markers or, you know, watercolors, finger paints, stuff like that around. Um, but like, as far as like immediate family, like, um, mom was always doing kind of crafty type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cross stitching. Dude, I got other... into cross stitching. My mom did, did cross stitching. Really? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that seems kind of cool. So I got into <laughs> cross stitching and there was a good couple of months. It seems frustrating to me, but that's only because and my mom's probably going to listen to this too. She swears a lot when she does cross stitching. <laughs> so to me, it just sounds like, man, it sounds stressful. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You see it and you're like, Oh geez, I don't know if I want to get into that. Right. <laughs> um, dad was always like cooking food and experimenting with new food to cook and stuff like that. So creative in that aspect. But um, yeah, I mean, there was real, like no artist in our house or immediate family that kind of pointed me in the direction of design, but just the stuff we were surrounded with. I mean, even down to the toys as well that we had. I mean, there was like board games that were centered around, you know, drawing. Um, um, do you remember Mario Paint or did you ever hear of Mario Paint? If it was no. for Super Nintendo, it came with a mouse instead of um, the, the, the standard NES controller. Yeah. No, but it was no all. Idea. Oh, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. And it was just all stuff centered around um, like drawing in like there's like coloring book stuff inside of it. Um, there was like a music editor built into it as well. It was it was it was just ridiculous. But yeah, Mario Paint is what it was called. And then we had another toy, too. Um, I think it was called Video Painter. It was almost like a, a precursor to the Wacom tablet where you'd plug it into your television mm-hmm. And it was a big tablet, and it came with a little stylus and everything, and you could essentially just like draw pictures, but it would pro- project it up on your television. So we played around with that a lot too, but yeah, nothing like super pointing me in the direction of, of going out and being a designer by any means. So that's okay. So you've got this creative childhood. You're doing arts and crafts and things like that. You're running <laughs> this creative environment. What then really flicks that switch for you where you start seeing design, you start pursuing design, education or career? I think it was, man, and the the, the career tie-in is always so weird for me too because like I didn't know I wanted to be a designer mm. until I was a designer. Yeah. So, but there was, when, when I was a kid, um, me and my little brother, we would go... Uh, my, my grandmother would be our babysitter. Mm-hmm. And so mom would drop us off at her house every morning and we'd spend all day at grandma's house. <clears throat> and, but I remember like going in um, like the garage and all my, my grandpa, he was, he collected like all these old oil cans and like okay. uh, toolboxes and stuff. And I would take these oil cans and I would bring them into the house and I would, I would recreate all these logos that were on there. And there was just something about all these simple old school logos that just for some reason just intrigued me. Um, but I never thought anything of it. There was something, you know, to kill the time when you're a little kid and there's not a whole lot to do for a whole summer. So, 
but that was one way I passed the time. Um, I used to, I used to draw, um, like football helmets and stuff like that. I would just recreate all the logos from these sports teams and just sit around and draw logos all day, basically when I was a little kid, <laughs> but I didn't know that was going to point me anywhere at all. You didn't know just, that was like a thing. No, at all. Not in the least bit. You were just <clears throat> drawing. I was bored, <laughs> but, <laughs> but logos spoke to me for some reason. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. So then fast forwarding to like high school and then college or whatever you, you mm-hmm. got into, was there an, an instructor or a guidance counselor who saw what you were doing, saw your doodles, saw your skill set and went, hey, have you ever thought of design? No, actually there wasn't. And like I went through high school and I, art classes always interested me. So I took art classes. I took a couple like painting classes in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, there were summer programs that I would enroll in. Like there was a zoo in my hometown where you would just go and take an art class at the zoo and just go draw these animals and shit like that. Um, but even like going to college, I went to college for, for journalism within the, <laughs> wow. within okay. the communications department because I liked, I was writing for a high school newspaper and I really mm-hmm. liked that. Um, and within that program, I kind of – well, first of all, I realized I didn't want to be in journalism anymore. So I kind of mm-hmm. switched to to advertising side of the communications thing. Um, <clears throat> and the way, the, the way it was as a college, it was weird because we didn't have uh, an official like graphic design or graphic arts program mm-hmm. within the, our, our mass communications department. It was within the art department. So we were doing all these different like campaign pieces and stuff like that for these ad competitions that we did or student ad competitions, but we didn't have a graphic designer. So I'm like, well, I've, I've always liked art and dabbling with graphic design and designing on a computer and stuff like that. Maybe I'll try it. And then from there, it just kind of blossomed into, whoa, this is, this is something that's actually tangible. This is something that I could probably do. So, I mean, like no courses, no nothing telling me to do it. I just kind of stumbled into it. So it was really like a slow evolution. There was no moment of like, oh my God, design. It was just sort of, you were already incrementally stepping in that direction. You yep. just didn't know it to all of a sudden you look back and you go, oh shit, I'm, I'm a designer. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. There was <laughs> one, one of our college courses, we had um, a couple of guys from this local agency, ad agency come in, mm-hmm. and they just kind of presented what they did and the ins and outs of their business and operation. And at the end, they're like, well, also, we're looking for a graphic design intern. Um, and then I remember someone in my group's like, Hey, you should, you should do that. You should try that out. I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a designer, you know, <laughs> but I did. And they ended up giving me the internship. And then, so it was like, once I got that internship, I'm like, Oh shit, I'm a designer now. <laughs> so that, like that opportunity, that internship, that was like a complete fluke. Like you didn't look for that opportunity. Like it was just nope. there and you didn't even initially pursue that opportunity Somebody had to say, why don't you do that? Yep. 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 Exactly. It's <laughs> kind of weird how it works out. Yeah. What a wild road, right? I know. And that was like, I was, I was, uh, at this point, you know, I had, I had, from figuring out that I didn't want to do journalism and then going into the advertising program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took a year off to go, um, uh, you know, playing a band and like just kind of try and figure out what I wanted to do and then go back to school. I was I was 24 by the time I got this first like unpaid design internship. So mm-hmm. I was a little bit behind the curve. Yeah, it leaves you feeling like a bit of a late bloomer. Right. Nah, age is just a number, right? It totally is. I couldn't agree more. 
So during this this path, I'm curious to know here, <clears throat> is there a specific design or illustration or something you saw that you that when you saw it, it really just stuck with you, something that was really influential? I don't know if it was like, if I can actually like pinpoint one particular design that's been influential to me, um, just kind of mostly because like I was saying before, I didn't know I wanted to be a designer until I already was one. I think it's more to me related to like this overall uh, design aesthetic, like kind of going back to like when I was a little kid and like these like simple little logos and Mm -hmm. all these you know, little tchotchkes that I was finding and drawing and just that simple old school kind of way of doing graphic design that really was the most influential to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nothing really specific that jumps out, but all of these little bits and the little illustrations, the little drawings that you started doing and then noticing that really started impacting and accelerating that process. Absolutely. And like, mm-hmm. even going back to this little toy that I was telling you about, like playing with or like this, this, this dumb Mario paint game. I mean, you're limited to like, you know, eight, nine, ten colors of what you can do. And it's just like you're creating stuff with like the most bare bones thing possible. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was easy to do when I was recreating these other little designs that I saw because they were just bare bones. Some of the times they were like one color, two color applications and easy to recreate. Awesome. Um, now, Adam, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to now and closely follow now? And what about them do you think you like? Um... A lot about what I like. I mean, it's it's the old school crew. It's your you know your Saul Bass and your Chip Kid, Paul Scherer, uh, Charles S. Anderson. You know, even progressing to the point where Draplin obviously plays a huge part. And I would have to imagine every graphic designer's uh, mindset. And it's just those simple designs that they made. Um, nowadays, I've been. Uh, super into everything that John cut with high road designs been putting out. He's hilarious on top of it. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. Um, Can't yeah, his episode number, but I had him on the show. Yeah. I, th- I was actually one of the first episodes that I think I listened to. Awesome. Um, the, let's see, uh, Josh Sullivan and the fried design guys, they put out really cool stuff. Um, I've been dabbling a little bit and doing kind of like hand-painted mural work. So I've been following the gals from Pander quite a bit, and they do some really, really cool stuff. Um, lately, there's this there's this gal. Her name is, uh, I think it's Danica, Danica Mitchell, and she, she runs uh, Finletter Creative, and she's just doing some really, really super cool stuff that I'm following on, on Instagram. But just kind of all ties back to not overly complicated, simple, cool stuff. Yeah, stuff that looks good, but is you know appears to be fairly straightforward and simple. Right, right. Awesome, um, Adam. I want. I have a, a big passion for print and packaging. I just love it. Yeah, um, same. So I'm curious to ask you now. Then, how have you utilized print and packaging in your design career? Any stories around that um, that you could share with us? Well, when I like when I first got into that 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 internship back in 06. Um, I, I honestly, I didn't know shit about print. I didn't I really, I didn't know anything about anything to be honest. Yeah. Um, but the creative director at the agency that took a chance on me, he came from a heavy print background. I think awesome. he'd spent quite a bit of time in a commercial print shop. So, um, he, he got me up to speed with the ins and outs of the print world pretty quick and, you know, hitting up press checks and sorting through paper stock books and stuff like that soon after starting. So, I think that beginning quite a bit from it. Um, 
but even back then, like 80% of the jobs that came through the shop had some aspect of print to them as opposed to today where maybe like 10% and that's probably even high of the jobs that I get have anything to do with, with print. So someone like myself and like yourself who really appreciates print and packaging, I think that the shift nowadays is really focused on educating people on how we can utilize print stuff to, to, to really make those brand pieces pop and to sing and how they can actually take it to a whole new level. <clears throat> you know, and it's not, it, it's more or less letting people know that you don't have to take everything to Kinko's and get everything back on, <laughs> you know, black ink on that, that crappy 80 pound cover stock that they got the typical house stuff, but just letting people know that there's cool shit you can still do with print. Mm-hmm. Tons of stuff. Now, have you had the opportunity to create any print um, that really stands out to you? Yeah, yeah. Like I was saying before, not a terrible amount, but I'm working with um, um, a brewery right now mm-hmm. where we're doing a lot of cool print stuff, even down to the labels. We've, we're doing some pretty awesome like metallic labels where we're hitting them with a shot of white, too, and then we're printing over that. So we've got a mix of metallic and whites cool. and mats and stuff like that. So kind of really cool stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a job here, oh, maybe about half a year ago, client where um, I did a piece from uh, with Resograph printing, and I'd oh, never cool. done that before. Yeah, and that turned out really cool, and I'm trying to find more reasons to get into that. That's got to be the right client for that one, I found, though, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but even to, like, when I'm doing these branding, like, identity packages and stuff like that, um, working with people and more or less upselling them on these, like, cool, like, business cards, like, something as simple as a business card where you can, mm-hmm. you know, hit them with some spot varnishes or UVs or, mm-hmm. you know, embossing and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm actually working on a, a YouTube video right now for the new print design Academy channel that I'm working on. I about, see that. About don't ignore the business card. No, like no. this is, this could be the first touch point between you and a potential customer that could lead to a lot of business. Can you really afford like, yes, it's going, it might cost you a thousand dollars to get amazing business cards done, really beautiful letterpress, edge painted, like whatever it is. But the, that's a cost a hundred percent. The cost to the cost of losing business because your initial impact isn't incredibly memorable. I would argue that that cost is higher. hundred percent. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Like so, I've even, I've, I've gained clients because there was one client that I actually had who went all out, did just like the coolest business card ever that I'd ever made. And it mm-hmm. just had just the tactile, like super thick paper and it had a foil and it had an emboss and it had a spot varnish on it. I mean, like everything that you could do, I threw it <laughs> on it and made it work. Like it was, yeah. it was still tasteful. It wasn't doing it just to do it. But I've gained like three clients because of this card, because people will give this card to them. Like who the hell made this card? This is yeah. pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't know you could do this, and they're like, "Yeah, go go talk to go talk to Weedco." That's so. awesome. Yep, so true. Still important. Yeah. So, Adam, the next few questions I have for you take you down the part mm-hmm. of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to drag it through the mud a little bit, pull those stories mm-hmm. out, and then we'll finish up in a happy place. You cool with that? Absolutely. Awesome. So, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging, and how did you get through it? Um, I would say probably just figuring out what the hell I wanted to do with my career. Um, mm-hmm. um, 
like I was saying before, didn't really know that I wanted to be a designer. Um, but And I got the late start because of it. But when I took my first job as an unpaid intern, um, for the next couple of years, it was just, it was sit back, keep your mouth shut, open your eyes and learn some stuff about the trade and see where it takes you. Um, and from that point, I grew with this smaller agency, and then it got to the point where I'm like, well, I mean, there's other agencies out there. Maybe maybe I want to go to a larger one, maybe work on some national clients. Mm-hmm. So worked towards that, got a job at a larger agency, mm-hmm. um, and got to do some cool stuff on like a national level for some clients. But eventually, like the the, the bullshit meetings and bureaucracy and everything with mm-hmm. the larger agency life caught up with me. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore either. So the next logical thing for me is like, well, I was having fun at the, the small shop. Let's go back to a small shop. So I found a different small shop here in town, mm-hmm. went and was really, really liking it. And I was fortunate enough with this one too, where I was still doing some work on a national level mm-hmm. um, for some bigger clients, but it was still a small shop. We only had like nine people at it and it was great. It was fun. I was involved with everything. And then I got an opportunity. Uh, a friend of mine called me up. He's like, Hey, I know some guys who are uh, doing a, this drone technology startup and they're looking for a creative director. Would you want to do that? And I'm like, well, what the hell, let's give it a shot. And I went and did that and I hated it immediately. It was just not for me. Um, for one, I'm not big on, on in-house type of stuff for me. I kind of, I like the variety of, of varied clients and just getting to, you know, kind of brush my hands when something's done and, and move on to the next thing. And two, this place was just run terribly. It was like the worst boss yeah. I'd ever had in my life. You know, which is so discouraging. Startups, right? Like they right. just run terribly. Everybody's still trying to figure it out. And if you're not a hundred percent committed to that kind of insanity for a long period of time until they're established, right. it's right. don't get in yet. Dude, it was nuts. It was seriously just nuts. And like I feel like they even like overhired for the position so it was me as creative director and then i had one designer that i was working with under me and like just there was no work to support a creative director and another designer i mean they could have mm. they could have farmed this out to anyone easily but here we are two designers um punching way below our weight on the work that we're doing and we had more free time than we ever had you know actually work time mm-hmm. so i spent like a couple of months at this job doing freelance stuff mostly more than I was doing for the actual job that I was employed at. Mm-hmm. And that led me to go to start Weedco yeah. at the same time where I could build these clients up and I could be like, all right, I'm ready to make this jump now. Let's get on here and let's do the dang thing. So definitely. Yeah. So finding the really finding the career direction and the right path, you know, right. Would be, was the challenge in itself. Right. Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So Adam, I want to get a little bit more specific with this next one. I want to I want you to take us to a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was mm-hmm. that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah, yeah. So last about two years ago, I got this this um, this job from a church. Mm-hmm. And typically I shy away from churches and it's not anything to do with religion or anything like that. It's just because they always, from what I've found working with them in the past is it's committee based. And anytime I can avoid a committee, I'm always going to avoid a committee. But this one is dangerous. Oh my God. It's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Seriously. But this one, the dude 
I talked to him first, um, this, this pastor of this church and he's super, super nice guy. And, um, I asked if there was a committee involved and he's like, nope, it's just going to be, just going to be me. And that's it. We're going to be working with one-on-one with each other. I'm like, okay, well let's, let's go for it then. So I did the first round of design concepts, sent it off his way. Um, and he came back and he's like, yeah, these are, these are, these are, this is a good direction. I like where we're going. Uh, I'm going to bring in a couple other people. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and see what, see what they say about it. And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he formed a committee <clears throat> and his committee was, um, it was him. It was their the youth group pastor leader or something like that. And then it was two separate couples from the congregation. And then it was also, their oldest member of the congregation, which was like an 89 year old woman. That so was they the- basically <laughs> went to it and said, let's grab somebody from every single potential audience of people that will be walking into this church building. Yes. And let's see what all of these different diverse people of different ages, different backgrounds, different, everything really yes. think about this one design that needs to please. Yes. everyone. And everyone had an equal say in the final outcome. Oh boy. Yeah, it was, it turned into a nightmare. Seriously, this job took me about a year front to back to get done with it. Granted, it wasn't working all the time. Luckily for me that he was actually a very, very uh, slow responder to emails and iterations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it would be like three weeks in between after I heard any feedback from him. But I think front to back before it was approved and it it ended up being really good. Like we got, they got a good logo onto the deal and everything worked. Um, They got good collateral materials because of it. But I think we did like 45 iterations of this logo and it was just nuts. So were you then going back to him saying, Hey, I only included three iterations in the original quote. This is now going to cost this extra. And that was all cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Get, get those contracts signed kids. That's, that's what they're there for. So (laughs) I went back and I'm like, man, we are so far on a scope on this one. He's like, I got to start charging him, like go to an hourly rate from everything on here. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Whatever it takes. So, and yeah, it would have been a lot, lot, lot worse if they were, if they were jerks about everything, they were still good to work with, but man, it was just pulling teeth to get through that project and to get it all wrapped up and put a bow on it. What's so incredible about this is that you're just, you're like, ah, I usually don't deal with churches, the whole design by committee thing. And it comes right. right out and says, nope, no committee. <laughs> Proof one, by the way, I've brought in a committee. <laughs> Burn me. Yeah, I fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, um, Adam, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Just getting a a grasp on like social media, social media in and of itself is just, it's just nuts to me. It's like trying to, you know, curate my life in an attempt to get someone somewhere to double tap on a post. It just, it's just kind of stupid to me. Are you working Um, on your TikTok account? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) My wife got a TikTok account not too terribly long ago and I kind of had to give her a little shaming because of that. But (laughs) No, less is more when it comes to social media. I mean, <clears throat> and it's sad because to me, it's like like modern promotional ways to to get your name out there. To me, it almost feels like it's turning into a more you know quantity over quality model, and I, I don't I don't I don't dig that. Um, 
So like, I don't, I don't want to see people putting out content just to put out content. And I mean, if it's regurgitated nonsense and I mean, it's just because the system rewards them for it. It's like mm-hmm. put out content, put the more you put out, the better results you see because of it. And that's just, mm-hmm. it's backwards to me. So kind of just trying to figure out my place in that and where my priorities are and, and what I should be posting and when I should be posting and all of that. And mm-hmm. rah, 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 rah. <laughs> I got it. Okay. Well, I've dragged you through the mud enough. Let's turn this around. Um, I want you now to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes yeah. your heart sing. Um, so going back to uh, my hometown down in South Dakota when I was a kid, um, there was always this rumor that in like our little downtown area, there was this old abandoned opera house okay. that was down there. And um, no one could get in there because like, oh, it's condemned. It's all falling apart. It's dangerous. and <laughs> Which all sounds like, I need to right. find it's this like, place. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how do we get in there? <laughs> I think there was a couple of attempts to try and get in there at some points too. Yeah. But um, grew up, went to high school, and I had a history teacher there, mm-hmm. and he he definitely verified. He's like, you know, there's a, there's an old opera house downtown. I'm like, all right, sweet. Um, fast forward to about a year ago, there was um, some friends that I have still living down there who started this initiative to raise a ton of money to to renovate this, this opera house. All right. And they called on me and they're like, well, do you want to do, you know, the branding and the collateral work for it? I'm like, hell yeah, sign me up. That'd be awesome. And so I worked with them and gave them all the materials that they needed and helped with fundraising efforts and stuff like that. And, um, to this day, I think they're up to just shy of $5 million that they've raised and have completely renovated this old, beautiful, Opera House. It's called the Goss Opera House. Okay. Um, I think it was like it was built in the late 1800s, but they've got it completely renovated and up to code and just revitalized. And it's it was really cool because there were so many people and individuals from my old community, my hometown, who who came together and either volunteered or took some hometown discounts to mm-hmm. to to bring this to fruition. <clears throat> and because of that, and like I've had. Um, some some stone workers down in South Dakota come in and like like the the logo that I made for them is like in granite now inside of the opera house and they've had some like custom woodworking done where they've got like other aspects of the logo and the brand built into the custom woodwork throughout the whole thing and it's just really really cool seeing that um, to to come back to life again too and I mean they've got they've got acts booked there starting well as soon as this pandemic. Exactly. But that was very, very fulfilling to give back to my community a little bit too, because it's, um, I mean, coming from a super small town, it's the, and also coming back to family, I was lucky to come from a family who, who nurtured creativity. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case, um, in these smaller towns. So having this outlet and bringing, um, these different acts in and different creative outlets and everything has really been fulfilling to me. That's such a cool project. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, especially when you get so many different pieces of the community involved in it and you really get everybody rallying behind it. What an awesome thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it could have been done with the group effort too. I mean, it was it just worked out to be perfect and just the, the, the right people sending out the rally cries and Definitely. worked out fantastic. 
Awesome. All right, Adam, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question, my friend. That is where I have a question for you for my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my last guest was Jim Bull. He is the co-founder and CCO of Moving Brands. They've got offices in San Francisco, New York. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, where else did he have them? London, Zurich. So big time. They've done work with Jamie Oliver. They've done work with Nokia, Apple, Coca-Cola, like big deal. Good stuff. So Jim wanted to ask you the classic cliche question of what advice would you give your younger self? (laughs) Um, For one, don't burn any bridges. You never know where you're going to need to come back and talk to someone about something. Um, That's a big one. And I, I'm very grateful um, that when I was very when I was first starting that I had the mentality I was going into it. I'm like, all right, these are people that know way more about shit than I do. Mm-hmm. I need to shut up. Mm-hmm. I need to pay attention. I need to learn what's going on. Um, and then coming up through the system and then doing like volunteer efforts and like helping review kids' portfolios. Like I've talked to a lot of kids who are just like they don't they don't think that I know anything or no, anyone else knows anything, and that they know everything. And it's yeah. just like guys, come on, just I don't have all the answers, but I can provide a little bit of guidance if you just listen. And I'm sure there's a hundred other people out there that you can learn from. Yeah, keep those bridges unburned. Don't burn the bridges. Yep. Keep Love your it. eyes and ears open. Mm-hmm. Adam, what is your ask it forward question for my next guest? <laughs> okay, so I, I I had to think about this too. Like listening to the, a lot of the episodes, um, a lot of them are, are very design centric and somewhat serious. And I'm not going to do that. <laughs> There's one. I've got one friend. Um, I've actually known him since kindergarten, and we went to high school together, we went to college together, and now he's living up here in Moorhead, and we're we're very tight friends. But we've always had this question that we go back and forth on. And it's going to be probably the stupidest question you've had on the show. But if you had a swimming pool completely full of M&Ms, could you walk across it? Or not even so much walk, but trudge across it, one side to the other. So if you had a pool full of M&Ms, do you think you could walk, run, trudge across this pool? Yes. We've actually emailed the, the, I think it's the Mars Corporation, mm-hmm. and asked them, and they're like, "You guys are idiots." <laughs> <laughs> so this like, sounds why? like I got better shit to do with this. My data sounds like a question. perfect YouTube cha- channel thing. I know, right? Do you I know. know how many views this would get. We filled a pool with M and M's and walked across it. <laughs> right. Uh, I am firmly in the, the the tribe that says absolutely no way in hell. My buddy, he thinks otherwise. I don't think so. Same. I don't think you can do it because, and here's my reasoning. The surface of an M&M is so smooth. Yep. It's a friction thing. Friction thing. If you step on it, it's naturally just going to, you'll sink into it. Right. So I guess the other question I'm now wondering is, can you drown in a pool of M&Ms? Oh, what a terrible or glorious way to go, I guess. <laughs> you got to eat your way out of it. I'm chewing as fast as I can. Right. Right. <laughs> I love that question. I'm very much looking forward to asking that of the next guest. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing what it is. And, and if they disagree with me, I'm going to send angry emails. To them. <laughs> um, what oh, I also love about know. this ask it forward question is I, I don't really know 
enough about the next guest to know how they're going to respond with with any of the questions really even ones about pizza even ones about like you know the question i had to ask you like i don't know what your response is going to be but your story right. and um not knowing your your career direction until later in your later in your age you know that really aligns well with that question and the same thing with the question that I had to ask Jim, like it, by complete fluke, it really aligned well with his story. So then point. I get a question like this and I'm thinking like, how is this going to by fluke align with this next guest's story? And I just really hope out of the blue, somehow during the interview, they drop, man, I just love M&M's. <laughs> Boy, do I have a question for you. Yeah, exactly. Adam, you have That's reached awesome. the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. This has been fantastic. I appreciate it very much, Dave. All right. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. If you're digging what you're hearing, head over to iTunes and leave a reading and a review for the show. Really appreciate that. Have a great uh, weekend and uh, see you Monday. Bye.